Hi, I'm Phelan Johnson. And I'm Leah Simone Bowen, and we look at history a bit differently. Have you ever wondered how hundreds of wild horses came to inhabit an island in the Atlantic Ocean? Or what Lord of the Rings and a small town in Manitoba have in common? Or the burning question, did Canada invent the teen drama? The Secret Life of Canada is a podcast about the country you know and the stories you don't. New episodes available now wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Tom Power. Welcome to Q. Um, Today you're going to hear my conversation with the Canadian virtuoso piano player, Bruce Liu. Bruce is from Montreal. He's in his mid-20s. And he's played with some of the world's most renowned orchestras. He's constantly on the road performing, you know, everywhere. But here's the interesting thing about Bruce. I mean, the thing that brought him to our attention is a couple of years ago, Bruce won the International Chopin Piano Competition, which is like winning the Stanley Cup. Maybe it's more like winning a gold medal at the Olympics because the International Chopin Piano Competition is like the highest level of classical piano playing. And it's also, it only happens every five years. And Bruce is the first Canadian to, the only Canadian to ever have won it. So Bruce has a new record out. It's called Waves. And I got to talk to him a little bit about it. He, speaking of being on the road, he was in Warsaw. He had just done some gigs in Poland. But Bruce Liu is unlike any virtuoso piano player I've ever met. I don't know. I mean, no no disrespect to the virtuosos out there, but they're typically a little high strung or like, you know, very exuberant. And, and Bruce is so chill, very easygoing. Also, his story behind getting into the piano is so interesting because it's completely different than any other virtuoso piano player I've ever met. And that's where we started our conversation. Take a listen. I want to go back to your beginnings with the piano. You know, the story that I'm sort of used to from talking to pianists on the show is this idea that, you know, they come out of the womb and they're practicing five to six hours every single day. Your your story isn't like that. What was your relationship with the piano like growing up? Um, well, I think it's it started like a hobby for me. I was around eight. I mean, I was having so many hobbies uh, at that age. I think that's one of the maybe eight or ten hobbies I had. It was just like a thing to keep me sort of seated in a, in a house, like calm, you know, like uh, suddenly there's no shouting and no noise or not movement anymore. I was, uh, it was a calm and peaceful moment for my dad at home, that when I'm sitting at the piano. When, when did it become more than just a hobby for you? Like When did you think this could be something more serious for you? Um... Maybe around like 16, but to be honestly, seriously speaking, I would say after the competition. <laughs> Hold on. So you're telling me that you weren't taking it that seriously until you won the most prestigious piano competition in the world? Well, I was taking it seriously, but it was, I, I never felt it like that way, I would say. It's like, um, I have always, of course, we we always want wanted to become a pianist. I think it's a very fun life. But I wouldn't say that I know it how serious it is until uh, you actually step in the career because it's really two complete different things because it's a very uh, it's, it's a very lucky thing at the end it's like lottery in a sense we say it's like talent plus work plus a bit of luck so you know if I didn't win I would probably do uh, a different different thing. What were you thinking you might do if you didn't win? Work at a pizza shop? What were you thinking? Well, that that's a good question. Yeah, I it's. Um, Probably, I mean, study something real, 
nothing not like the art which is in the cloud you know <laughs> listen listen my, my mother's home wishing i would study something real too so i i, I understand it i want to uh play a clip from from that night that very clearly not just uh, changed your life but changed your path as well as i mentioned you won the chopin piano competition in warsaw in 2021, it is one of the most prestigious competitions in all of classical music. You're the first Canadian to do so. I want to play your performance from the final round. That is my guest, the Canadian pianist Bruce Liu, performing Frederick Chopin's Piano Concerto Number no. 1 in the final round of the International Chopin Piano Competition back in 2021, a competition that Bruce won, making him the only Canadian ever to do so. Bruce, what goes through your head listening to that right now? Uh, uh, stressful memories. <laughs> I mean, it was uh, also very good memories i would say that i have always been saying that i never had really the chance to digest what actually happened uh in these three weeks during the competition because everything just went so quickly and of course after i won people always ask me if i had the time to celebrate and you know enjoy the moment i said absolutely not because it was like like a storm for me like chaotic storm you know having so many new plans uh, suddenly so many people were sending you emails. I was getting like 100 emails per day. It was like headache and had no managers at the time. And to figure out how the travels and everything, you know, suddenly you have concerts for uh, the next months and, you know, not any, not any nothing is planned. So it, that that's the memory that it kind of brings me. But of course, it's, a, it's really like a mythic, mythic and um, enjoyable moment, I think, if I think now. Not during the competition, during the performance, but uh, there is a moment of enjoyment that, of course, I would never forget for the rest of my life. I heard you were pretty pretty last minute in, in thinking about like how you were going to perform the pieces that ended up winning you the whole thing. Is that right? Well, I think, uh, of course, we have our... Uh, structure and uh, things already planned but I'm saying last minute in, in terms of maybe you know not very small things you know I, I, I like to keep some room let's say 10 10 20 percent of room for for, for spontaneity during like, the performance like what for um, like little sometimes a little phrasing a little timing a little rubato it, it's it's hard to say exactly what but um, those kind of ideas are, are you know, played in a different uh, emotion states statement. Like this part, I thought it was quite nostalgic, but suddenly I think maybe it's more poetic, rather, you know, or less drama or anything like this. And this this kind of emotion is probably you need to leave some. I mean, not all, but some small percentage for only on being on the stage. But I hear what you're saying, but that's not everyone's. That's not everyone's path. Like I, I, I know enough. You know, this is a weird thing to say, but I know enough classical musicians at a very high level who don't leave themselves that room in, say, a performance in a concert hall. Much less 
much less at the like, the highest level classical music competition in the world. Where does that come from in you to to, to have the, the I guess I guess the courage in yourself or the belief in yourself to leave yourself a little bit of room even at that level? Oh, do you know what I mean? It's hard to say. Yeah, I know. It's probably because of also it's it's. I mean, at the end, art is is about your. Uh, life you know how you how you see life i think it's about um how i grew up how my parents teachers society influences all this kind of change your your mind in a sense uh and i think it's both good i mean that's the thing about art is that there's so many different ways of thinking and doing it there's people who is trying to produce something that they're so convinced to every different stage but in the same way for me it's more about uh i like to sort of swim between between the waves and that's a call that's why i like the title waves for my first studio album because it's like uh there's there is a certain routine in waves like nature but it's never really the same you know and every every wave is not the same but it has the energy of producing you're pretty chill man <laughs> Thanks for the conclusion. <laughs> you are. You're for 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 a classical musician at your level who's playing all these big events. Seem you seem pretty relaxed about it. Well, I think it's it, it comes from the fact that we have we're lucky we have different pianos unlike, you know, violinists or other instrument they bring their own. So that's a very big difference because even though we want to produce the same, I mean how we can because it's 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 totally different instruments. Uh, and then we have different halls, different audience, um, and different emotions on that day. You know, I might have uh, missed the flight and I arrived like 20 minutes before the concert, like which happened last week. And that emotion state, the feeling is not the same when you're well slept and uh, uh, well eaten before the concert. Um, you know, I think all this kind of uh, change your kind of the moment you're performing. Well, I, I understand. So it, I understand what you're saying. Like if you, if you're, if you're James Ennis or something like that, no shade to James Ennis, James Ennis, but you show up at that concert hall, you are mm-hmm. going to perform on that violin that costs X amount of money. And you're going to perform for that audience on that violin. And they have an expectation of a sound and you're, and so much of the, so much about what's about to happen artistically is within your control but if i understand you correctly because so much so much of in a piano player's life is out of his control his or her control their control you have to let go a little bit is that what you're saying yeah which is something i like which is something i actually adore uh because i like some um, of course to be in control like the majority of time but to leave the space for surprises and sometimes it really brings unexpected uh, good things. Hold on, what, what happened What happened the other week when you were you showed up for your gig 20 minutes before it started? Well, it was in Amsterdam, for Amsterdam, um, and uh, there was huge fog, uh, very foggy Amsterdam airport. So every the flight from the morning was already delayed. Uh, my flight was in the early afternoon, uh, supposed to arrive around 2 or 3. At the end, I, r- I arrived around 7, and the concert was at 8. Oh, my God. So, so what do you do? Um, just... Uh, <laughs> Pretend nothing is happening. 
What do you mean? Um, I mean, when you imagine people on the audience, they don't know what happened. And uh, I think it's it's part of our job to simply adapt quickly. I think there's nothing for me. It's always like it is what it is in a sense. And actually, I was quite happy with that concert, strangely enough. So maybe it's a it's a new discovery of how to prepare before a concert. <laughs> Um, you're well known for winning the Chopin competition and, and for your live performance releases. I was reading um, and getting ready for this interview, and I read a quote by you that said, it's in a studio that you can really make your own puzzle. What does that mean? Well, it's, it's, it's the biggest difference comparing to a live concert, because in the studio, you can create your own story, do your own uh, playlist of order of pieces. You know, I would never do... I think the order of the pieces from the album in a real concerts, um, because in a real concert is like a, is like a is a time art. Unlike visual arts, when you have a painting, you can see the whole aspect for I don't know in ten seconds you see the whole art. But as a concert, you need to wait ninety minutes or recital time to actually really get through the whole program. While in a recording, you can skip. You can uh, click anywhere you want and you can also listen anywhere you want. So basically so many different sounds at the same time because we had three composers in the album and I think we created three different, total three different sounds for each composer. So there was a lot of uh, aspects outside of the thing we usually have in concerts. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. More of my conversation with the Canadian virtuoso pianist Bruce Liu coming up. Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you got your podcasts. You picked these three composers, Rameau, Ravel, and Alcan. Why did you pick these three? Um, well, it's like getting not getting too far from Chopin because I think after the Chopin competition, of course, people recognize me as a Chopin performer. But actually, before that, I was always very interested in very contrasting works um, from Bach to contemporary music. Uh, I have always loved the gap of differences. Also, this is maybe caused by the fact of my multicultural backgrounds. And of course, because I was born in Paris and then grew up in Montreal in those French-speaking countries. So it was very natural for me to do French music, but at the same time, uh, unconventional pieces to be included because I think when we talk about them, we only think about Debussy, you know, or Ravel, of course. But uh, there's the huge Baroque area like Rameau. And Alcan, I think probably even the musical nerd <laughs> will probably not know him. 
Uh, Bruce, I want to get a little bit nerdy with you. Is that all right? Yeah, I'm always ready. Okay, so Rameau, you mentioned, you know, a, a composer of the Baroque period. Writing music for harpsichord. Which um, had had no ability for dynamics. And, and for, for folks who are listening to this, like, what that means is that harpsichord can only play at one volume. And you're performing yeah. these pieces on the piano which was quite literally invented in order to have dynamics, to play loudly and softly, forte and, and piano. How does mm-hmm. that change the way you approach these pieces? I mean, the, 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 the challenge of a harpsichord player is to actually make those polyphony and those different voicing while having the same dynamic. This sounds like impossible for me. <laughs> it's really about the style and the timing. So um, there's no other things you can do, basically. Well, on the piano, it's not necessarily the case. I think it's, uh, honestly, it's, 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 it's a treat for us because we can do so many more things. And this is, it's like saying about also not necessarily harpsichord, but in general for classical music, saying, uh, do we have to pursue in a certain style of the authentic composers? Because now, honestly, we're living in totally different uh, society surroundings. You know, we have, we're using phones, we're using iPads, you know, we are using, we have electricity, which is already so different from the circumstances when the composer wrote these pieces. So I think it's, um, I think this kind of natural evolution makes these work alive again. You know, people asking me, how do you maintain your own personality versus uh, remaining uh, authentic to the composer or f- faithful to the composer. And of course, we have to study them to know what uh, they were doing at the period of time when they wrote the piece. But, you know, if classical music doesn't have uh, new ideas, new energy, and this new uh, life, it will certainly die in a sense. So I think this evolution is, 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 is a good thing. What drives you when it comes to the classical music you play? What What do you want to do differently with it? I don't think I'm trying, you know, um, rationally or something to do different. I think it's um, it's a natural flowing or natural expression of our own personality. We are all different in a sense. And um, I think the most important thing in art is to to remain ourselves, to, to be natural and not uh, thinking, you know, to to be different or something. It's very it's a very spiritual way of looking at art. I mean, I spoke to a um, a, a playwright slash Buddhist, you know, meditation teacher a couple of weeks ago on the show who said something like that to me. Like when he when he gets on stage, he just tries to think. I don't need to be funny. I don't need to be creative. I don't need to be engaging. I just need to be myself. Yeah. I think that's that that's that's how we talk about being uh, sincere and always play with our heart and um, I think it's the the most important. Um, before we go, which track do you think we should play from the new record? What would what would you like to hear? Maybe Alcan because people doesn't know about him and it's a beautiful piece of music. And 
interesting colors. Okay, we'll do that. Hey, l- lovely, lovely to lovely to get the chance to talk to you. Thanks so much for making the time. Thank you very much. Bruce Liu, the Chopin award-winning Canadian pianist, has a new album called Waves, music by Remo, Ravel, and Alcan. Before that, you heard my conversation with Bruce Liu, the Canadian pianist. His album Waves is out now. You can catch Bruce uh, back in Canada this year, later in the year. He's performing concerts in Montreal and Vancouver this May. And uh, that's it for us. The other conversation we have up today is my chat with Sydney Freeland, who is the director behind the new Marvel series Echo, which is the first Marvel series about a deaf Native American protagonist, you know, hero. And um, Sydney Freeland, towards the end of the conversation, if you're into like, I don't know if you're like me, a nerd about sort of the business of TV and film, towards the end, she has this conversation with me about like, a very realistic conversation about, you know, what, what a lot of folks in the media will refer to as like this moment for indigenous TV and film. And she talks a little bit about how she hopes it's more than just a moment and the realities of what that means, about budget supply coming out of the strike. And anyway, I just learned so much from this conversation with Sydney. Uh, go check that out wherever you get this podcast. We'll see you soon. Later on. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.